You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And today we are going to go through a journey and talk some about leadership development, but specifically, my guest has an interesting premise that he now operates with. There is no B2B, B2C. It is H2H. It's human to human. That's what we're doing. My guest is um, Brian Kramer. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. You bet. So uh, tell us about H2H. Where did that come from and how did you come to that conclusion? We had been using it since we started our agency in 2002, marketing agency uh, here in San Jose. And um, we always talked about what humanizes uh, the, the the product or the design uh, or marketing campaigns that, that we were um, working on and what that meant to the the audience and how we were intentional with our with our design, um, not just the design, but the designed experiences, and um, and really on the other end is a human being. And once social media came on the scene uh, in 2014, I was giving a keynote at Bloomberg uh, West, and it had um, almost an identical um, uh, slide to what now became my. The cover of my book, which is there's no B2B or B2C, it's H to H, human to human. And that's not to say that we don't sell to businesses or we don't sell to uh, consumers, but at the end of the day, the customer doesn't care. They just care about one thing, and that's the service or product that they received. Uh, and that's really the, the, the idea behind it. And so when social media came on the scene, it was um, it was really relevant at the time because there were, had never been a time in any any um uh well any time in in our in our lifetime or or even before where a company had uh to to answer to the consumer publicly and social made that possible i mean anybody can say anything they want about any brand on twitter or facebook or linkedin or so on and so forth so now all of a sudden it's two-way communication no longer is it radio tv and commercials talking one way at the cost the consumer uh but now um you know what is it like eight, nine years later after I wrote the book, it's completely changed. Um, it's now um, a matter of AI and, and augmented reality and virtual reality and uh, autonomous driving. And I mean, it's just all, you know, automation is, is, is prevalent. And so uh, now, uh, you know, especially in the pandemic, we had uh, uh, human to Zoom to human. So it's it's relevant in a whole different way than when I originally intended it, but still relevant to what we're going through today. Now, you have pivoted a little bit. You're, you're doing coaching work with executives and, and business leaders, uh, directors on boards and, and things like that. So, so what is typically the focus area when you go in and engage with one of those executives? What are they looking for and trying to do? Yeah, you know, there, it's. I don't want to say that everybody's looking for the same thing, um, but it is. There are a lot of things that are pretty similar, and that's how do I grow my company? Um, how do how do I grow the business around me without uh, without burning out and staying creative and staying um, staying whole as a person? 
uh, enjoying what I do and uh, and leveraging the skill sets that they have to the best of what they can do while still learning. And um, and so there's uh, you know there's two different types of people that that I that I work with. One is um, you know they own their own company and that comes with a whole different set of issues or challenges, I should say. And um, and the other is an executive within a company that's more entrepreneurial. And how do I how do I uh, you know manage up and down um, and create what I need to fulfill my job? And so those are typically the two different types of 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 uh of hills to climb um both have operational process structure um and 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 putting in place things that will allow you to do your job and so that's really where i focus is the operational system structure and self-belief uh, on top of that because we are you know holding ourselves back from what what we can do and, and more of what we can do so you know that's that's my goal yeah, I think you're so right, and I'm thinking of a lot of my clients who likewise own um, their own business, privately held companies that uh, you know have done pretty well, but arguably they've hit a bit of a plateau. They're on that brink of burnout or frustration, or they've sort of maxed their own individual capacity to scale the business further. They've, they've gotten it up to a certain level, and they've hit that invisible wall that prohibits them from thinking, viewing, making decisions about the next level up. So sounds like similar to you. That's that's a lot of the work I do to help people kind of break through that log jam that might be the head trash they're dealing with and the way they're viewing the business, which is mind-numbingly frustrating at times. But it's ultimately, at least in my humble opinion, it's ultimately about partly losing vision of where you really wanted to go when you started and but also dealing with the reality that you got to make some tougher decisions about what to do next yeah uh, there's always a next there's never not a next um if you're if you have a pulse or a heartbeat there's always a next and i actually um love to say that uh you know that the the ultimate uh thing that we strive for is not the next it's the now. Um, you there is no really no next. It, the next happens because of what we're doing right now, and so we're so we 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 tend to as humans we tend to future trip, and we look at what we're supposed to be doing or how we're supposed to uh, show up so that we can create more of what we think is going to solve the future problem that is created by us. And, um, and, and that's not going to help anybody. That's going to help uh, our stress. It's going to help burnout. That's going to help uh, the team think that we're, um, you know, not sure of what the vision is. Um, instead, if we start focusing on, um, on what's happening, you know, and I'm talking about presence, like having, having sheer presence um, and presence of mind, presence of where we're at right now, um, listening, whether you're listening to this podcast or, or you and I, Doug, are sitting here, you know, being with each other um, right now. This is all we, and I'm not trying to sound like Buddha or anything, but this is all we have is right right now. And, and when we can lock that in, uh, we're going to get more done. It has nothing to do with being more productive at the end of the day. It's about how many times were you present with whatever it was that you were doing. And you're going to be way more fulfilled and way more ha happier in your life when you get to that level or that achievement or, or those moments. And yeah, it's hard. You can't do it all the time. 
But when we can do it more often, it's going to become like a muscle and we can get to this place where we're going to be more joy filled or in enjoying, enjoying life. It's interesting you, you say that, and I'm, I'm processing a little bit because, um, and, and maybe this is ultimately saying the same thing, but I like what you said about future tripping. I love that phrase. I, I need to borrow that if I may have your permission to do so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I know I like a guy that. who can approve that. <laughs> I like that phrase. And and yes, I think we there there are people that will think about the future where they want to go with their business, but it becomes an ethereal dream. They never create, they never reverse engineer the action steps to make that become a reality. So I agree totally in in working the now, but I guess I would question or add to and give me your feedback on this. To optimize the now, you need to have a sense of purpose and intentionality about what you're doing, because otherwise you're going to get consumed in the random noise that's swirling around you. Yeah. You can be wonderfully present in a dialogue or a, a commentary on a on a social thread, but is that adding, you know, helping you move yeah. forward in any way, shape, or form? No, it doesn't. Not at all. Not at all. That's being, but to me, that's being intentional. Um, with, with, again, being present with yourself, um, being present with, with uh, where you want to be. So if you're intentionally designing the future, then be present with that um, and, and do that, but, but don't future trip over it. Um, there's a difference between intentionally designing something. Uh, we do it all the time. You see intentional design with uh, brands that you look at and you go, wow, that is just an incredible experience. That's because they were intentionally designed around the experience. And we have a really pleasurable or fun or humorous or whatever the emotion is around that intentional design that they designed for us to have. Um, and so if we can be intentional with uh, with planning, absolutely do that, but do it with with presence of mind and take the time to be there uh, with it as you're doing it. Um, and, and that is, is totally healthy, but to be there future tripping on, we have to do this in a reactive nature. Um, now we're, we're no good to anybody and we're not very present in those moments. Uh, no. Those moments are not, not, not current that we're thinking forward and we're not here now. That helps clarify the thinking there. And, and, and I do like that. And so I, I think fundamentally we're saying the same thing. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, uh, so, so let me ask you, uh, the, uh, the, the human to human thinking, when you go in and you start coaching with a business owner or an executive at one of those larger enterprises, well, let me start out by asking, what do you see as some of the hindrances that people are struggling with? Is it, is it a legacy of tradition in the business or a mindset that they bring to the game? You know, maybe it's a behavior they learn from watching another boss or another person, or, or maybe something they learn from their mom or dad, you know? How, how do you begin assessing the sort of the backstory to help shape new thinking for getting to this human to human ability to lead teams? Yeah, well, there's two answers. One is um, fundamentally to answer, well, to answer your question, uh, fundamentally it's trust and or lack of trust. I think I think more times than not, and there's research, uh, you know, with the trust barometer back this on um, on on there being the least amount of trust ever in in our history, um, not just in 
politics or globe, but actually in companies. There, there's no, there's, there's really, we walk in now, the glass is half empty, not the glass is half full on trust. And how do I earn trust versus how walking in already having trust? And that didn't used to be that way. It used to be that you walked in uh, to a company and and you were trusted until you weren't. Um, and and now um, we're having to earn it harder. Uh, it's harder to earn, and it's 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 harder to achieve with your customer as well because customers are so fickle. So it's happening from the inside out. The first place to start is on the inside because the the lack of trust. Uh, uh, drips down to the customer. Um, and when you have somebody that is a leader that is creating distrust or dis-ease, it's creating a whole ball of um, problems. Uh, and, and we've got we've to focus on that. So well, that's where I'm focused is how do we create more trust um, immediately uh, where, where we can put in place um, process systems and technology uh, combined with hum humans. Um, it's it's humans and technology working together to create more trust immediately or faster at least. Um, so that's the first thing. This, the second is um, is using the elements of what makes us the most human um, uh, brands, and um, and those come down to the three pillars of what I uh, also wrote about in my my book, which is simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. Um, when we know, like, and trust a human being, another human being, it's because um, we do trust them, but the trust is coming from, it's coming from uh, a connection, a deeper connection that we have with them because of their uh, simplicity, their empathy, and their uh, imperfection. So when we see something that's too perfect, we, we veer away from it. Um, I can dive into more examples, but that's, that's really, um, yeah. you know, a lot of where I'm, I'm coming from. You know, on the subject of trust, a thought that came to my mind as you were describing that um, in the in the later stages of the the pandemic lockdown, when people were slowly starting to emerge, return to work, and so forth, there were a number of large global brands that I had the opportunity to be working with some of their executives, and they just happened to have done an employee engagement survey. All of them kind of simultaneously did this. And there was an interesting commonality in all the findings that were coming out for the first time ever in my own lifetime and career that I knew of. When you asked employees the question, uh, who do you trust more, your boss or senior leadership? For decades, there was always an answer that said, I trust senior leadership, but I don't trust my boss. That was kind of a dynamic that had had percolated, like I said, for decades. But this time it was flipped. I do trust my boss, but I don't trust senior leadership. And it, it, in every case, every company I was working with during this time, that absolutely threw them for tailspins. It's like, what's going on? And as I looked at it, one of the things I thought about, and, and not to make any excuses whatsoever, but it was all over the news. Executives were trying to make decisions about the pandemic, how to respond, you know, come to work, stay home, vaccinate, no, don't vaccinate. If you're not vaccinated, you get fired, you know, all these kinds of questions. And they were vacillating. I mean, they would take a stand one day and the next day they would reverse their decision and do something else. So it was creating a whole lot of uncertainty, which totally eroded and erased any trust 
that people might have. Yet, while all that was going on, the immediate boss was at least sitting there going, hang with us, we'll figure this out, it's okay, we're going to make it through, you know, let's, I'll tell you everything I can as soon as I know it. And, you know, so, so their ability to raise the bar on trust did, in fact, increase. So it was an interesting conundrum that is going on. But I think, to your point, net-net, all the trust levels have eroded. And it's, it is lower predominantly than it's ever been. And that's a big burden on people that are trying to run companies and lead businesses. Hmm. Yeah, it is a huge burden. I think. Um, I think uh, that uh, communication in that in that area is is key. And a lot of times, you know, we everybody gets into reactive mode, and um, and it's because we've you know there's a there's a a tendency to to want to respond um, immediately. Um, you know, you look at the Southwest airline. A debacle that just happened, um, and trap and travel and um, and and how they responded to it uh, was was one thing. What happened was another thing, um, and they never well they saw it coming, but at the same time they didn't realize it was going to happen the way that it did, and uh, and the way that they responded to it. If you look at uh, the communication that came out, was very well thorough and thought out and they took their time with it they didn't respond the next day and say we screwed up they really took care of everyone to the point where like my brother was involved in you know being displayed displaced on an airplane during that that time and trying to get home and he wrote an email uh to them because he wasn't uh, they didn't think that he was a part of like that time frame and so they didn't uh take care of him and he wrote it, and the CEO's assistant wrote him back and said, um, "You're, we'll, we'll take care of you." Um, so, you know, the my point of of saying all this is um, is that the 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 organization got connected, um, and the senior leadership uh, combined with customer service was what became in, in lockstep. They they had to, but they did a good job of getting connected where a lot of other organizations, like what you're saying point, you know, they, they didn't, they don't connect. They're, they're dis, disjointed from your boss to senior, senior leadership and, and communication isn't aligned. Um, when you can get an alignment, man, anything is possible. As long as you're just pointed in the same direction and everyone understands what that direction is. Right. Uh, so I, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it almost is. Well, I, I think to your point, sort of the uh, the humanness of being able to admit a mistake or a, a defect or a, a breakdown in something. I've always said for a long time, I, I used to actually train it in my own work teams it's it's not important to be perfect all the time. What's really important is how you respond to an error or a fail. If you miss a deadline or miss a, a delivery, how are you going to respond to that? What are you going to do with it? And, you know, I think step one in all that is own up to it and admit it. Don't mm -hmm. don't try to shun it off on somebody else. And And, you know, you don't have to exactly fall on your sword all the time, but if the reality is that you or your team somehow messed it up, then 
own it, admit it, and then explain what your solution is going to be, what the next steps can be about. Mm-hmm. So it's funny you bring up Southwest Airlines. A lot of my listeners probably have heard me tell these stories many times, uh, but I have a special affinity for that. Once upon a time uh, in my banking days, Herb Kelleher was actually on our board at our bank, and Herb was a regular guest speaker at officer meetings we had. We had a, a routine of all the officers in the bank would come together on a Friday morning, and we would have about a 30-45 minute meeting with senior management so that we had that communication and clarity about you know where we were going and what we were doing. And Herb would always show up there, and one of his famous stories was the question of, is the customer always right? And Herb's unequivocal answer is, was, hell no, they're not. <laughs> and his quick story was in, in their hub in Dallas, there was a day when weather was interrupting all the flights and the schedules were all blown up and, and people were being delayed. And in the old uh, Dallas Love Field, there was a, uh, a a terminal that had three different gates right in one area. So the waiting area was overlapped with three different flights. So it was highly congested. And there was a guy in there that was really drunk and disorderly, and he was abusing the gate agents, you know, just cussing at them about the delays, and which they couldn't do anything about. You know, they were just trying to do their job. And he was actually kind of verbally abusing other customers. And finally, when the flight came and the gate agent announced boarding, this guy jumped up and bullied his way to the front of the line. And what was waiting there was two Dallas police officers that the gate agents had called and they cuffed him and drug him off. (laughs) And when the crowd that had been watching all this for two hours saw that, they all erupted. It was a standing ovation to the gate agents for calling the cops on this guy. So Herb's point was, I made one customer really mad that day, he said, but I endeared about 400 others. Mm So, you know, is the customer always right? Nope. Nope. Not at all. (laughs) I love that. That's such a great story. Yeah. So, um, and I've told that story several times on the air, and I don't know that guy that was the one in the gate. He's probably going to find me one day and come get me, (laughs) but but nonetheless. um, So let me ask you this. I have been on a bit of a personal campaign. I've gone on record and I've written about it and talked about it. I think in the new iteration of how employees look at their work and their leadership, I think the tradition of command and control as a leadership style is is on its way out. And if it's not already dead, it ought to be in a lot of places, not everywhere. I've I've got some caveats to my thinking here that I can elaborate on, but there are appropriate times when you want the guy in charge to really be in charge. But uh, otherwise, for the normal day-to-day work environment, I don't think command and control is going to sell anymore. Do you have any experience working with that or thinking about that? Well, um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's well. I don't see it it working in, unless uh, you know there's um, uh, a fo- the foundation has to be set. So initially and or along the way, we want to know where we're appointed. So there's got somebody has to hold the vision, 
Um, and, and really that comes, that does come from, uh, it, depending upon the size of the company that comes from the, uh, leadership and knowing where we're going to be headed. However, have, if we're pointed based upon research and the information we've been given and the support of the team and understanding, um, where that's coming from, then, then it's a, it's a co-created effort. Uh, and, and everything that we do becomes co-created, um, it, there's no, uh, we, we have this old, um, thinking that even a, a CEO or a, a president actually can only be held by one person. Uh, but you know, very rarely is it held by two. Um, what if we were to go outside of the norm? I'm not suggesting every company do this by any stretch, but, um, but, uh, we could live in a co-created, um, you know, much more co-created uh, ecosystem. And when we look at it from that point of view, like a lot of Europe does, um, Europe is very uh, co uh, when it when it comes to how they are, um, how they're being every day and in, in their jobs. And you know, when they they it's they're more interested in in getting together and building community, um, and then and then growing a company based on that. Where you know, here in the U.S. and and some of Canada and 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 other areas um, are more top-down approach. And so uh, we have a lot to learn, I think, from a co-created approach where everybody can own own a little piece together. And then, um, you know, as they say, all, what is it? All, sh all tides lift all boats, all a uh, tide lifts all boats. That's what it is. And yeah. so um, if we can get there when we get there and the, and the companies that have done that um have done it very well and and not just done it but they're sustainable they're they have longevity and that that that's the success of any company right like when it when you look at a company and they have they have longevity um built into their their plan like when you look at uh well not rei but um uh the other company in um in maine um uh, shoot, I can't remember their name, but they 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 planned their entire uh, company around giving back to whether you believe in global warming or not. All profits go to global warming, um, and so they became a, lo a longevity built company. Um, we believe in the future of Earth, and we're going to take everything we have and put it back into that. So, um, so it's there's a lot of companies that I think can get very creative around how they co-create. To answer your question. Well, I'll tell you what, Brian, I think we're kind of up on time here. I really appreciate you sitting in and doing that. Uh, tell us how people can get a hold of you if uh, they are interested in learning more. It, I mean, you know, it's so it's so hard uh, to get in touch with me. Actually, if you go to briankramer.com, Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K, and um, and you can email me at Brian with a Y at BrianKramer.com. So, and, and I'm also at Brian Kramer on every social media channel. So anywhere you want to punch those, my first name and last name in, that's, that's where I am. And right. uh, you can sign up for my newsletter and I, human to human, I, I, who would I be if I didn't reply back? So I, I, will, I will hit reply and, and we'll have a discussion just like two people should do in this world. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, thank you. And as always, folks, we're going to have those links in the show notes, both in the uh, audio stream and also on our YouTube channel over on uh, at YouTube channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. So hop over there, take a look at the episode and join us um, to uh, look at the library there of everything else we've put out. 
It's been a pleasure uh, spending time with you today. We wish you the best and go out and make it a great one. See you soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.